Welcome to The Upward Journey, the podcast ministry of Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina. Hope, joy, peace, love, they sound wonderful, don't they? Things all of us would say we would want. Yet during the holidays, they can feel more distant than any traveling we could ever do. So what's the remedy? How do we experience them? How can we know the Christ of Christmas and let Him make a difference in our lives? The answer might surprise you. It's Advent. And we're not talking about a fun calendar filled with candy. We're talking about a season of expectation fulfilled in the Earth's only true source of hope. So let's explore how that happens together in our current series, Unwrapping Christmas, as we continue the Upward Journey. Welcome to spring in December. We're celebrating that now. How'd you like that 70-degree weekend in December? How many believe we could take a little more of that? And all the snow fans said, ugh. You always have, I shouldn't start this way, you always have those irritating people that love snow, (laughs) and they actually pray for it. Then we get our prayers competing together. So good to have you here this morning. We're in a series called Unwrapping the Gift of Christmas. Some months ago, I was praying. As you know, my wife and I have been walking through a bit of a health crisis here lately, and God's been good. He's been faithful. But I was praying, and I was just saying, God, I need to hear from you, need to hear from you, I need to hear a word from you, Lord. Please speak to my heart. And God gave me a picture, and he often does this in my heart, my mind, my spirit. And I'll see a picture when God's speaking to me. And I just saw in my heart, in my mind's eye, I saw this beautiful white box, and it was wrapped with a bow that was red and gold, and I just saw it just opening like this right in front of me. And I took that to believe, and I I believe I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit, not audibly, but in my heart. I believe I heard God say, I'm actually unwrapping a gift for you in this season. Have you ever had God give you good news, but the situation doesn't exactly feel like good news? You're like, God, there are better ways to give gifts than this. I I don't believe that that was just for me. I believe it's for us, that God is unwrapping some beautiful things for us in this season that we're in right now. And we're going to be okay. Not only are we going to survive this, we're going to thrive coming out of this in all kinds of ways as God leads us forward. So we entitled this series, Unwrapping the Gift of Christmas. And today, we're going to unwrap the gift, God's gift of joy. Do you love joy? Greg, uh, Pastor Greg did such a wonderful job last week. Let's give him a hand of appreciation. He did a great job. And uh, he started, he opened up with a gift about giving his little girls a dog. Nobody can top a little girl dog story. You can't beat that, so I'm not going to try to. But I'm going to give you a gift unwrapping story of our own. About uh, 13, 14 years ago, my son wanted, really desperately wanted a Nintendo Wii for Christmas. Anybody remember the Nintendo Wii? He wanted that for Christmas. Only problem is nobody had them. They were gone. And uh, I called my mom in Winston-Salem. I said, Mom, go out to a store and see if you can find a Wii. Well, she went and found one in a store in Winston-Salem. I said, buy it. She bought it. We finally got him a Wii. And uh, we got it about a month ahead of time or more. So I decided to mess with him a little bit. Any of you like to just kind of mess with your kids a little bit? So I've got the biggest box I could find. Wasn't quite a washing machine box, but it was close. And I put that Wii down in the bottom, 
And then we filled it on top with all the junk I could find in the house out of the garage. I mean, wrenches, hammers, old tennis shoes, nails, duct tape, whatever I could find in the garage. The Wii was at the bottom, and all the way up that box was a pile of junk. Well, we brought that big box, rolled it in, and put it beneath the tree and said, Michael, that's yours. So about a month, he's thinking, man, I got the biggest gift of my life. So Christmas Eve came, and we open our gifts usually on Christmas Eve night, and so he tore into that thing, and he opens it up, and all he sees is a box of junk. This is a better illustration today than I thought it was. <laughs> Sometimes you start unwrapping God's gifts, and you see a box full of junk and say, wow, thank you, Lord, yeah. He started throwing out old tennis shoes. He knew there had to be something good in there. When he got down to the bottom, he saw that wee. And he pulled it out, and somebody snapped this beautiful picture. This little boy that just served communion to you a minute ago, that's him. As he finally dug through the junk and got to the joy. Anybody ready to get to that place in your own life right now when you're like, yes, I've got it, finally. We're going to get there. I have always been so intrigued by joy. I heard preachers preach about it for years and years, and they would always contrast joy with happiness. And they would say these wonderful things about joy that really resonated with me. They would say joy is internal and happiness is external. That joy does not come out of your life because of what's going on around you. It comes up because of what is already inside of you in Jesus Christ. I love that. Joy is internal. They would say things like this. Joy is independent and happiness is dependent. Oh, it's so true. Happiness in my life is dependent on what somebody else does. I don't like being dependent myself. Now, there's a whole message in that, and you can be too independent for Jesus to work in your life, so don't bite on this totally, but I don't like living my life dependent on the choices that other people make. I want to live my life based on what's inside of me and the choices I make. Joy gives you some autonomy. Joy is inside of you regardless of what happens around you. I'm intrigued by joy, but I got a problem. I read the Bible. <laughs> Reading the Bible will cause you some problems. It's for your good in the long run, but it'll mess up your thinking. It'll really straighten out your thinking. The problem is this. As I read through the Bible, I find that the people with the greatest joy often experience the deepest sorrow. And I don't like it. And I don't have to like it. I read the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians, the whole book is written about joy. But guess what? The backstory is Paul wrote the whole book while he's in prison. He's made an appeal to Caesar, and he's going to stand before Caesar, which he ultimately did. But while he's in prison, has no freedom, while people are persecuting him still, he writes a book on joy. And this is what I've come to understand, the message of the Bible, that I don't love the way this works, but it is the way it works, and I need to align my thinking, my life, and my heart with what God says. And here it is, great joy often comes out of great sorrow. In fact, the greatest joys you will ever experience come out of the deepest sorrows. Psalm 126 is a really powerful psalm. 
And it's, uh, the book of Psalms is a, is a song book. Psalms basically means songs. It's the Hebrew hymn book, if you will. And Psalm 126 says this. We're going to unpack this psalm today. It talks about joy. It opens to this, a song for pilgrims ascending to Jerusalem. This is what verse 1 says. When the Lord brought back his exiles to Jerusalem, it was like a dream. We were filled with laughter, and we sang for joy. And the other nations said, what amazing things the Lord has done for them. And the psalmist said, this is, this is a song too. I want you to remember, they didn't say this, they sung it. This is a hymn. Yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. What joy. In verse 4 he says, restore our fortunes, Lord, as streams renew the desert. Those, here we, here we go, you ready for this? Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. I want us to read that verse together, head upward this morning and online this morning. Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. Verse 6 says, they weep as they go to plant their seed, but sing as they return with the harvest. They go forth, the picture's a farmer with a bag of seed, and he's going across good ground, and he's sowing seed and crying as he sows seed into the ground. But as he comes back months later, he's going to be singing because those seeds are going to produce a great harvest for him and in him. And that's where we're at. Now, nobody really knows who wrote this psalm. No one is pinned down exactly when it was written. But most scholars believe that it's referring to the nation of Israel when they were returning from captivity. Little backstory God called Abraham out and said, I'm going to make a great nation of you. And he created the nation of Israel. But it was a group of people who were somewhat rebellious. Let's get all self righteous and indignant this morning about Israel. Why don't we just do that? Oh, stubborn people. God did so much for them, and look at what they did. Till you take a look at us. And you see that we're all in this thing together? The nation of Israel was stubborn and rebellious, a lot like you and me. And they kept fighting against God and what He wanted to do. And God kept warning them, saying, if you keep going down this path, you're going to crash. And He was specific, you're going to crash, you're going to be invaded by other nations and taken into captivity. And they did. And they were. Israel, it was divided, and they were taken into captivity by the Assyrians and by the Babylonians. And they were in captivity for about 70 years. Their freedom was taken away. Their temple, the beautiful Temple of Solomon, the most glorious building ever built in human history, was completely destroyed and burned. The walls of Jerusalem were knocked down. Their farms were left desolate. They were taken away, many of them captive, to foreign nations, and they were in captivity for about 70 years. But God said, even in the Old Testament, He said, the day's going to come when I'm going to restore your fortunes again. And in 538 B.C., the Persian king Cyrus decreed that the Jews were free to return home, to rebuild their temple, and to rebuild the walls of their cities, and to begin to occupy their land again. Ezra came, the book of Ezra, you read that. Ezra rebuilt the temple. Nehemiah came back and rebuilt the walls. It was a time of rejoicing. And that's the context and the background of Psalm 126. They're saying, yeah, we're free. Amen. 
Here's what I want you to understand. Verse 5 is the key to this whole thing, and I want us to say it again. Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. Understand this. Your tears are like seeds. And understand, properly sown tears produce a harvest of joy. Properly sown tears produce a harvest of joy. God throughout the Old Testament talks about our tears as valuable. There's a verse that says He puts our tears in a bottle and saves them. My bottle of tears is larger than it used to be. He values them. Here's the deal. I don't like to cry. Some people enjoy crying. I don't like it. I have no idea what happy tears are about. My wife will watch a movie and something wonderful will happen and she'll start crying. I'm like, babe, what is wrong? She said, nothing's wrong. I'm just so happy. I'm like, you don't cry when you're happy. And when I'm crying, you better come get me. Honey, better be hugging me when I'm crying because I'm in bad shape. Here's the deal with me. I don't want to waste my tears. I don't want to cry and mourn and grieve needlessly. The good news of Psalm 126 is not one drop of your tears have to be wasted. If you sow them properly, something good's coming on the other side. Something good's coming on the other side. Now, um, how do I do that? How do I sow my tears so I can reap a harvest of joy? Number one, you remember what God has already done in your life. You remember what He's already done. This is the first part of this psalm. It says, when the Lord brought back His exiles to Jerusalem, it was like a dream. In other words, God's already done some great stuff for us. It was like a dream. When we came out of captivity, it was just like a dream. I remember a year ago when my family, we all got COVID at the very same time. Thankfully, we just got it all over with at the same time. We were in the house, and some of you are coming out from that now. We were in the house, you know, two weeks, two and a half weeks. All of Christmas and New Year's, we were in the house in the basement, you know, quarantined. And uh, I remember we finally hit that date when everybody said we could get out again. So we got in the car and we drove down to Charleston and spent a couple nights in Charleston. I remember when we walked out of the house, it was like, ooh. <laughs> it's like Neil Armstrong, one small step for man. I'm on a foreign planet here. I hadn't been outside in two weeks. It was like a dream coming true. That's what Israel said. When we came out of captivity, when we got free, it was just like a dream. They're remembering what God has done for them. They said, we were filled with laughter. We sang for joy. And the other nations, get this, even other nations are recognizing, man, God's done something for those people. We thought they were through and they're back. Can I ask you a question? How many times have you thought it was all over and God brought you back? Can I see a hand of somebody here this morning that there was a time in your life that you really thought, I'm done for, and you're still here? Can I get an amen? It needs to be better than that. If you were almost done for, and you're still here, you've got something to praise God for. But you know, I have a tendency to forget those victories. 
I have a tendency just to move on and fight the next battle. And I don't look back enough myself and say, God, you did this, you did that, you did the other. You were with me when I was about to be overwhelmed. They said in verse 3, yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. What joy. They were singing. They were shouting. I want you to understand this today. When God does something good for you, it's be a great practice for all of us. Write it down. Get you a little notebook. I know how old school that sounds. Wouldn't it be wonderful? I'm going to give somebody a million dollar idea this morning. Wouldn't it be wonderful for your children to have a notebook filled with the times God came through for you? Wouldn't only be good for them, it'd be good for you. Because I, I can say this, God has physically healed my wife and I before of sickness. He has done that. We've seen miracles as God's healed our bodies. We, need to rem- we personally need to remember that looking forward and said, God, you did it before. You can do it again. Remember what God has done. Psalm 125 was, or 126 is, is written down as a hymn. They wanted to remember this time. It's called the, the Psalms from Psalm 120 to Psalm 134, 15 Psalms. They're called the, the Psalms of Ascent. And what that means is this, uh, there were uh, three major festivals in Jerusalem every year that they had to go to, and what they would do is they would sing these specific psalms as they were walking up the hill to go to Jerusalem. When they were started on the mountain to go up toward Jerusalem, they would sing the psalms of ascent. Isn't that interesting? They sang these songs at a particular time of year, kind of like Christmas music. But they're called Psalms of Ascent. As they were going to celebrate the Lord, they sang and remembered the things that God had done. I think we could just take these songs and call them Upward Psalms. (laughs) Songs that I sing when I'm going up the mountain to worship. But it continually reminded them of God's faithfulness in their lives. So step one, to sow your tears properly, remember what God has done. Step two, very simple. Ask God to be faithful again. Ask Him. Verse 4, they kind of change gears in the psalm. They're rejoicing at all that God has done, and then all of a sudden, they put a prayer in there. They say, now restore our fortunes, Lord, as streams renew the desert. They began this prayerful, worshipful psalm in remembering what God has done to build up their faith and to give God glory. Then they began to pray, and said, God, restore our fortunes. What's this all about? Here's the deal. They had been delivered, but there was still a whole lot of work to do. They'd been set free from captivity. This is kind of like you and me when we come to Jesus Christ. He sets us free in our hearts, but when we look at our lives, there's still a lot of work to be done. Can I get an amen? God has given us freedom But there's still ground to be taken. What happened to them? They're restored from captivity and they're like, yeehaw, let's go home. But when they got home, home looked really bad. Beautiful temple, gone. 
Walls of the city that would have been their defense in Jerusalem, gone. Their farms had been lying dormant for 50 years. And the neat little rows that they had to plant their gardens were now overgrown and weedy. Some people had invaded their land again that were not going to be their friends. So they come out of captivity shouting. Then they look at their current situation and say, Oh God, we needed you now. We need you going forward. And they asked the Lord. That is a picture of what we're like. They said this. They said, uh, restore us, Lord, as streams renew the desert. They were talking about the Negev region in southern Israel when they said streams in the desert. We got a picture here of the Negev in southern Israel. And it is a wasteland. It is an absolute desert. But what would happen in the Negev is when storms would come. The Negev got about this much rain a year. Do your best eight inches just like this. Somebody can get it perfectly. I said, do your best eight inches, and I'm not going to move forward until you do. So if you want to go home, uh, this much rain a year. A year! But you know the rain would tend to hit all at once. And that desert right there, when the rain hit, would turn green and actually have flowers almost overnight. I love it when God answers prayer like that. And sometimes He does. He shows up with a boom. Anybody like those answers? I think sometimes we, we believe the lie that all prayer needs to be answered like that. And if it's not answered exactly like that, then we're not doing it right. It's just not true. God comes in and boom, answers our prayers at times. Yes, and we love that. But there are other answers to prayer that come from faithful sowing of seed and they come over time now again you don't have to like this but you do have to live with it sometimes we've got to sow seeds faithfully in order to get our answers number one remember what God's done number two ask him to be faithful again number three here we go sow your tears on the promises of God those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they come back with the harvest. In the Christian life, there are tears that are mixed with the joy. You know, when you become a Christian, you rejoice more. You, you, you get a lot more joy in your life. You have things to be thankful for. You rejoice. But let me tell you the other side of that. When you become a Christian, you also weep more. Because you have a softer heart. You weep sometimes because you look at your own struggles. Anybody have struggles here this morning? Wow, we're really doing good. Man, I don't know why I'm up here. If you people are that good. Anybody have struggles here this morning? We do this once a month. Anybody have struggles? Yes. You ever look at your own struggle and think, man, God, I should be farther ahead than I am? You ever weep over your own struggles? Anybody look around you and ever weep? I weep at the fact that there are children in Henderson County that don't want to go home after school because they know they're going to be abused at home. I weep over the fact that 
uh, just in our community, I was just reading this morning, somebody dying on, as a drug addict. And they arrested the dealer. I look into the face of that young man who's been arrested, and I don't hate that young man. I weep for that young man because he's been trapped. There's a lot to weep about. The Bible says, they that sow in tears will reap in joy. You ever given birth to a child? Please raise your hand if you have. I have never and will never. First of all, because of biology. Even if I could, I wouldn't. Because I've seen it. And it ain't pretty. Oh, baby, being born is the most beautiful. No, it's not. There ain't nothing beautiful about that. My Lord, it is nasty, bloody, painful, nerve-wracking. Both, I have two children, and, and both doctors asked me, do you want to cut the cord? I said, no, I want to stand back and watch you do your job. I didn't say it quite that ugly. I'm not cutting that thing. I don't know how in the world my wife had another child. She went through that one time, and I would have been like, enough's enough. You know, though, I talk to moms about it. I'm like, oh, Lord, I hear this. I've heard several moms use this term. They say it's a joyful pain. I got the amen. That's what I was waiting on. I'm okay. I know it's true now. <laughs> it's a joyful pain. I don't, I, I just, I'm not going to pretend I understand that. Some of y'all get it. It's like at the end, there's going to be a baby. Yeah, it's going to hurt. Yeah, it's going to be nasty. Yeah, it's not something everybody wants to go through. But at the end, you got a baby. It's kind of what this passage is talking about. Man, there's going to be some pain. But out of it's going to come a whole lot of joy. Out of it's going to come something beautiful. I remember a time, it's been many, many years ago, we were at this church, and, and I was about to walk into a church board meeting, and uh, right before the meeting, I had, had met with some people who I love dearly, and they told me that they were going to be leaving the church and going somewhere else. And I love these people very dearly, and still do love these people very dearly, but, you know, sometimes people don't stay in a particular church. Sometimes they and us have some things to work through, and that just, that's just life, and it's the way it is. Nobody was evil or wrong in the whole situation. We were just struggling through something. But it absolutely broke my heart, and then I went into a board meeting, and I started opening the board meeting, and a rare occurrence happened. I started bawling. That doesn't happen to me very often, but I just started crying, and, and us who don't cry a whole lot, when we do, other people start crying with us. So it's like half the board was just crying in that meeting. And um, a bunch of those people are out here today, and I love y'all. The board who was here and served us, I see y'all and love y'all. We just cried, and it was hard. But I remember God spoke a word to my heart in that meeting that I shared to the board. And, and I said, I believe what we're doing is we are contending for the souls that are coming to Jesus years down the road. That's been 20-some years ago, and today I see this place packed to the walls twice. People coming to Jesus, 
And I just want you to know, a, a lot of what's happening here, obviously Jesus paid the price for it all. But a lot of tears have been sown to get where we are today by us, by leaders, by board members, by people. They that sow in tears will reap in joy. Amen. Now, how does, this, how does this work? Number one, what is the seed? The seed is always God's Word. Jesus talked about a farmer scattering seed, and he said the seed is the Word of God. But seeds have to be watered. I believe this. You take the promises of God, and you actually water them with your tears. When you weep, you are watering the promises. That's the natural picture that this psalm gives us. You plant a seed, you water it with tears, then you reap a harvest of joy. Now, as I was preparing this message, a lot of times I'll pray and I'll just say, God, who am I going to be talking to and what are their needs? Help me help people. And God specifically put on my heart, parents. Parents. And I mean parents of little kids and parents of big kids. And he led me to the nativity. I love nativity scenes, don't you? My mom collects nativity scenes. So if I see a nativity scene, I think about getting it for my mom. I was in a thrift store recently looking around. I love to look around at other people's junk that they got rid of. So I was in a uh, thrift store. It's okay. If you like that, you're okay. Amen. 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 Any other? Any brothers and sisters? Wow. Okay. Wow. I ask y'all if you ever struggle and you're like, then I say thrift store. Yeah, yeah. I don't get you people some days, but uh, <laughs> I love nativity scenes and I'm walking in and I see this beautiful nativity scene up on a shelf and they want five bucks for it. No brainer, right? Here's what I've learned. If there's a $5 nativity scene, somebody in there is broken. <laughs> or missing. I mean, you can get a nativity scene and missing a cow, and that's okay. But if you got two kings, it's a little odd. And it really bad when there's no Jesus. <laughs> What's the point, right? I saw one one time, there's no Jesus there. I'm saving that for another sermon. But... Uh, <laughs> The nativity scene was filled with brokenness and tears. If you think this was a sweet little picture, Silent Night, I mean, that's a beautiful song. But it wasn't very silent. Angels appeared to shepherds out in the fields and said, I bring you good news, good tidings of great joy to all nations. God came to Mary and gave her a promise. She is about 14, 15 years old. Yeah, that's a shocker right there. Mary's 14 or 15 years old when this happens. How in the world did God trust his only begotten son to a middle school girl? <laughs> Sorry, middle school girls everywhere. <laughs> Love y'all. I don't want you to be responsible for my eternal salvation. Middle school girl, angel appears to her and gives her a promise. Here's the deal. God's spoken some promises to you guys. And you don't see them all happening. It's okay. They don't always work out initially the way you think. Remember, you got to dig through this gift through the junk to get to the we. I said, a we is compared to Jesus here? Yeah, we do all kinds of things here at Upward. 
God gave Mary a promise. He'll be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Boy, he gave her a promise. But guess what? Mary then sowed a whole lot of tears on top of that promise. Let me, let me just give you the Andy Craver version of the announcement of the angels. I almost want to get upset at the angel here because I believe he did a little bit. Oh, this is not, I, I don't really believe this, but it almost feels like a con job. I, I've just got to be honest about it. It almost feels like he didn't tell her the fine print. Can we just be honest about it? I'm like, here's all the good news, Mary. You're blessed and highly favored. But, but here's some implications of this promise. Mary, you're going to have an unplanned pregnancy as a teenager. Your fiancé is going to want to send you away. The community may want to stone you. Blessed and highly favored. When you're nine months pregnant and about to deliver, you're going to have to make a long journey to a small town to register for a census. Anybody other than me ever just be like, God, your sense of timing is terrible here. Have you ever felt that way? Can we just be honest? I've got, I've got to wrap this up, but I've I got to say this. Have you ever just felt like, God, you're messing with me. Here I am about to have your son. Could you at least let me do this at home? But no. The decree comes, and when I'm just about to deliver, we got to get on a donkey and go to Bethlehem. And when we get there, you can't even get me a hotel. If any of you think God's messing with you, let me tell you, this was His only begotten Son that was going to save the whole world. And it almost appeared like He overlooked all the details. Mary, your baby's going to be born in a barn. Mary, after your child is born, King Herod is going to kill all the young babies in that town trying to get to your son. Then guess what, Mary? You don't get to go home. You get to move to Egypt for two years until Herod is dead. you got to leave your community behind and hide for a period of years before you can even go home. Then you're going to watch your son be persecuted. Yes, he'll be son of God and he'll do mighty miracles, but you're going to stand at the foot of the cross and watch him die the most violent death that's ever been perpetrated against man. You're blessed and highly favored. They that sow in tears will reap in joy. When Jesus came out of the tomb on resurrection morning, I know we're, I, I haven't got my holidays mixed up here, I don't think, but when he came out of the tomb, there was great joy for all nations. But let me tell you, a lot of tears went into that story. Here's the word the angel said to Mary, Luke 1, He said, Mary, the word of God will never fail. And I want to tell you, the word of God will never fail. Some of you with little kids, I'm going to try to wrap this up. i got 26 seconds left, and I'm going over. Some of you little children, they're driving you crazy, and it's okay. That's what little kids do. They drive you crazy. My wife called me one time, two little kids at home. She said, uh, she said you got to come home. I said, what for? She said, to protect your children. I said, from what? She said, from me. 
So I rush home and get in between her and the kids. I'm like, kids, get behind me. Stay behind me. You're going to be okay. (laughs) You struggle with that. You weep over that. Raising children is not for the faint of heart. You also, as parents of young children, you're worried about, how do I raise my children in the midst of a culture that seems intent on taking out godly values out of their lives? How do I do that? How do I do that? We're going to do a series next year, February, called Family Matters. We're going to talk about those things. I think it would be good for you. Little kids are tough. Remember this with your parenting. Those that sow in tears will reap in joy. Some of you have got children that are older, that are not really living for Jesus, or at least not the way you think they should. And that really is a struggle. I want you to grab hold of this promise today that those who sow in tears will reap in joy. When you train up a child in the way he should go, when he's old, he won't depart from it. He may take a journey, he, she may have a detour, but the seed you've sown in their lives will come up. Keep watering with your tears, and you're going to get to the joy. I told half of this story before I should have. Bad habit of mine is liking a story so much I tell it two weeks early. Precious lady named Irene Lane, she'll be sitting right over here, probably second service. She's been in this church probably as long or longer as anybody. She she is like 80 years old now, and when she came to the church, she was in the youth group. She's like 13, and now she's 80-something, I think, and when I came to this church in 1997, Irene had five children. Only two of them were living for Jesus. Only two. Her son Jerry lived in Marion with his wife Donna. One day Irene came up right here at this place and she prayed and we prayed for her and we asked God to save all her children. I'll tell you what happened. At that moment while we were praying, I mean while we were praying, The Holy Spirit came down in Jerry's house, in Donna's house. And all of a sudden, in their house, they were seized with the conviction of the Holy Spirit that they needed to give their lives to Jesus Christ. With nobody there, they knelt down in their living room and gave their lives to Jesus as God's people were praying right here. And we, we have a Thursday service. I preached this message. They were sitting right there. God can do that again. Irene's other son, when I came in 1997, he was in jail for a good period of time. And she prayed, said, God, save all my kids. And I had the privilege just a couple years ago of standing on a platform and helping to lay hands on that young man as he was licensed to go into ministry. And today, he's a pastor today. He's preaching a sermon this morning at a church he leads. And today all five of her children are serving Jesus. I know probably three of them will be here over this weekend. God's faithful. Whatever you're facing, whether it's children, whether it's a situation, sow in tears, reap in joy. Amen. Would you stand with me right now? Jesus, thank you for your work. Thank you for what you're doing. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. 
I surrender this trial that I'm in to you. And I believe you as I stand on your promise and as I sow the, the, the water of tears onto that promise. God, there's a harvest coming. And I thank you for it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, Christmas is coming. Even if it's 70 degrees, I think Christmas will still come anyway. Um, excited about our Christmas Eve services. You don't want to miss that. 3.30 and 5 p.m. on Christmas Eve. It's going to be spectacular. We're going to be here an hour. That will be an important part of your day on Christmas Eve. Staff is putting together something so beautiful. Uh, second thing I want to tell you, today, this weekend, is our Christmas offering. One week every year, we give away absolutely every penny that comes in. And that's this week, starting Thursday through Sunday, every penny that comes in goes to our Christmas offering. And this year, it's going to go three different directions. It's going to go into nursing homes in Kenderson County. We're reaching nursing homes with residents who don't have any visitors or gifts for Christmas. We're going to be putting gifts and a visit uh, in their hand, number one. Secondly, we're giving to People to People Ministries, which will touch, for Christmas, 3,000 children in over 40 countries. Anybody excited about that all over the world? say, why are you doing three places? You guys give so much, we've got to spread it out. Man, radically generous. Third one, we're going into 22 schools in Henderson County. Our public schools and I think charter school we're going into in Henderson County. We're going to the principal and we're giving them about $1,500 and saying, go to your neediest kids who don't have Christmas and make sure they have gifts and food and clothes this year for Christmas. So this coming week, about 22 principals are going to be getting a gift from God's people to bless kids all over Henderson County. And I'm so excited. I unashamedly ask you to give the biggest offering this week that you've given all year long. I just gave our Lex and I's Christmas offering on the app backstage. It's so easy to do. We can help you set that up. But give till it hurts this year because it's blessing people all over the world, literally. Amen. Also want to tell you, we love our church administrative council. They are a blessing to us. Every year we add a couple members to the council or maybe one a year depending on their terms. We have a couple to recommend to you today. Uh, do we have their slides this morning? Number one, we want to recommend to you Patty Williams. Mike and Patty Williams have been here uh, for a good while. Patty works and serves as a deacon. We're recommending Patty to you as a member of our church administrative council. They have a long history of service to Jesus, so we're recommending her. Secondly, we have Vesela Harper. Vesa has a beautiful story of coming to the United States, actually escaping persecution and coming to the United States and building a successful life here. We're recommending her to you to serve on our administrative council again for the next four years. And then we have a board member who served for four years and we're recommending him to you for another four years and that's Wayne Bork. We love Wayne and Karen. They're here, do such wonderful job of leading in this church and we're recommending those two new ones and then one for renewal. And the reason we do this is to give you an idea of who your leadership is and if you have any questions or concerns about any of these three, come see us over the next two weeks, okay? Hadn't it been a good day to be together in Jesus Christ and to learn from Him and to hear His heart? They that sow in tears, let me bless you this morning. Lift your hands and let me bless you. Lord, I know there are tears in this room this morning. 
Lord, I know there's some pain in this room this morning. I bless your people today that you're going to turn around that sense of pain. And when they weep, they're going to understand their tears are not wasted, but that they're watering the seed of your promise. And joy is coming. I bless you for the understanding and the perseverance to know joy is coming. Now go out of this place. I commission you. Take Jesus to your world. Love y'all so much. Merry Christmas. See you back soon. Be blessed. Thanks so much for listening to this week's Upward Journey. If you would like to find out more about Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina, you can look up our website at ucf.cc or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Upward Christian Fellowship. We invite you to join us next week as we continue the Upward Journey.